this family and to be able to bring the word. And um, I'm really excited about what, what God wants to speak to all of us um, about tonight. And um, uh, Neil said earlier that, you know, this is a, a church and a family we love to celebrate. And um, I myself, have, I have something very exciting I'm celebrating in exactly a week from now, the 30th of January, 2022, I'm celebrating something wonderful, and that is that I've been alive for 21 years. Huh? 21 years. Can you imagine? <laughs> All right, and some of you are thinking, this guy is so full of nonsense. Others are thinking he must have lived really fast to look this bad at 21. <laughs> but, um, there's also a ring of truth to what I'm saying, because it was on the 30th of January 2001 that I realized there's a difference between just having life in the biological sense as I knew it and have known it, and really being alive. And something changed on the 30th of January 2001 in my life, and that's what I'm celebrating um, next week, the, the, the 21st anniversary of becoming alive, and, um, and, you know, when I thought about that this week, you know, and I think about, you know, all of you and, and you know, what, what we've been going through these last few years, and um, what a lot of you must have been going through, and uh, there's, there's this ring of truth to what I'm saying, and we all know it, is that, you know, there's, we all know that there's a difference, a huge difference between having life in the biological sense, being able to breathe and having a beating heart and a brain and having a will, a mind, emotions and intellect. There's a difference between that on the one hand and on the other hand really feeling alive, knowing that there's life inside of you. And you may have experienced or may even be experiencing right now in this moment that yes, you're alive in the biological sense, but it feels to us as if we don't have life. You may have a job, employment, but it may feel dead. It may feel that it's not alive. You may be in a relationship where there are signs of life, but you don't feel alive in this relationship. You may be walking around on campus for the first time, and you see life going on around you, but you don't really feel part of it. You don't feel alive in being there. It feels almost distant to you. There are so many little aspects of our life that if we really zoom into it, we may see signs of life. But are we really alive? And when we think about it, and we think about this difference between living And really being alive, I've got great news for you. Because if you are here tonight and you don't feel alive and you know that there's an aspect of your life that is lacking or that is is feeling dead, even if it's a small aspect, that this is a wonderful night to be at church tonight. I've got good news for you. And this is a wonderful week that lays ahead of you. And I really trust that God wants to impart something to all of us tonight and through this week that's going to change us and that has the ability to change us forever. That never again you have to go through life or a day in your life just 
going through the motions of life, but really being alive. And that's why I'm so privileged tonight to be able to start off with this new season, this new sermon series that we're starting off that, that Neil mentioned called Abide. And as every nation, family, we have always placed a large emphasis on the Word of God, about the truth of the Word of God, that it has an unending truth to it, a never-ending truth, a quality that goes beyond what's going on in your life. And we've always emphasized the importance to read the Word, to understand the Word, to believe the Word, to obey the Word, and that that is what brings real life change. And in this series called Abide, and what we're really kicking off with this week of, of um, uh, um, prayer and fast, we're going to be delving really deep into, I think, what is probably, if, you, if, you, if I had to choose my favorite book in the Bible, it's probably this one. And tonight is so great because if you had to make me choose a favorite chapter or a favorite verse, it's probably the same one. And that's the book of John. And I don't know if any of you share my excitement for the book of John, but I just think it's an amazing book. I think it's like, you know, and, and if you just go through the pages and you read, you know, from the first verse, it just hits you. There's something different about the book. And if you compare it to the other Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and um, you, you look at the structure and you look at the time span that it is about, they're all, they're all like this biography of the life of Jesus. But where the, the, the first three Gospels, they span most of or Jesus' complete time on earth, John really only focuses on three years in Jesus' life. So you've got 21 chapters that are only actually about three years of his life. Because John is less interested in telling us about everything that Jesus did from the beginning until the end, which is great. Lovely to read those other Gospels. But what John is really interested in telling us is about who Jesus was. Who was this person, Jesus Christ? He, in 1 John, he talks about this man that they could hear and see and touch. Because he has this personal encounter with this Jesus Christ. And that is what I think makes this book so different and what makes it so special. And what I really believe has got the ability to change our lives forever once we start looking into it. And, um, and it's not just me saying so. You know, John tells us. John tells us. What is, why is he writing to us? And he tells us this in John 20, verse 31. He says, you'll see it up there. It says, but these are written. So this is John speaking. But these, these things that he are writing about. But these are written so that why? so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name. Which one of us doesn't want that? Which one of us doesn't want life? Which one of us doesn't want life for our friends at school, our friends at varsity, our friends at work, our family members, those that are far off, those that are close, that, those that we run to on a daily basis? Who of us, if I would say to you, do you want them to have life? You would say yes. And this is the great news, is that John is saying that he has written these things so that if you believe them, you may have life. 
But he's not talking about that life that I spoke about initially, life in the biological sense. He's talking about a different life. And Jesus said so himself. He spoke in John 10 verse 10 and he said this. He says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. That is what he has in store for me and for you. And with many of you, right in this moment, over the last few weeks, months, perhaps years, you just feel like the devil or whoever in your life has come in to steal and destroy. But Jesus' promise for you is that he came so that you may have life and that you may have it abundantly. And we're going to start off now by reading John 1 verse 1, and we're going to read 18. I'm going to ask you to open up your, your Bibles and um, just enjoy reading it with me for a start. And then we're just going to slow down a bit and go through it and look at what it actually says and allow God to speak to each one of us. So let's just kick off with, I think, what is my favorite verse in the Bible. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Goes on to say, In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is the Father's side. He has made him known. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that your word is alive. Thank you that your word is like a double-edged sword, Father, that it, that it cuts deep, Father, and divides, Father, between the soul and between the spirit and between bone and marrow. And that it penetrates us, Father, and that it brings forth life in us. We want to pray as we now go into your word, Father, that you will reveal yourself to us through it. Father, that it will not only be my words, Father, but that you will speak to each one that is here tonight personally and with intent and with the love that you have for them. We pray that in Jesus' name, amen, amen. That's a mouthful, isn't it? Okay, but I promise you we're going to look at it. We're going to slow down a little bit. But there's so much about what God wants to say to each one of you tonight. So let's start off with, a, with the first few verses from one. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Okay, so if, you, if you've been in church for a while, if you've been part of this family for a while, you've been studying the Bible, well, you probably know this. 
If you invited a friend to come to church tonight, you interrupted, you made these, their Sunday evening, a terrible Sunday evening by sort of forcing them to come to church and they're not used to any of this. This is really confusing, isn't it? I mean, he has this talk about a word, but the word was God and the word was with God. It's all very confusing, isn't it? And then it, it goes on and it says, he was in the beginning with God. So this word that is being spoken about is not a thing in the usual sense that we use it in English. It's not a word, the literal, you know, four letters, seven letters, whatever. It's a person because it says he was in the beginning with God. And it also, the start reminds us of how the Bible starts, doesn't it? Do you remember? Genesis 1 verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And Genesis 1 verse 1, when Jesus, or when God speaks about creating man, he says, let us. So this God is not the singular. This God is the plural. From the very first chapter in the Bible, it's clear that God does not think of himself in the singular, but in the plural. There is more than one, somehow. And this may be, all be very new to you if, if you haven't been in church well, and that's okay, because it's going to become clearer as we go on. And this is what this is referring to. It says that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So on the one hand, you've got God. He's with the Word. The Word is with God, but the Word was God. So again, similarly to what we see in Genesis 1, it's not the singular, it's the plural. So it's speaking about an individual, but that individual is also one unified with God. Right, so let's continue. And it says, all things were made through him. So now that we know that this word, the word that is God, all things were made through him. All things were created through him. And then it says sort of what sounds like the opposite. and says, and there is not a thing that was made. There's nothing that was made that he didn't make. So not only is the word God and the word is God, this God created everything. So look at the person next to you. The word created him or her. He is God's creation. He is a created being. And that is wonderful news, guys. Because this says something about who you are. It says something about the fact that you are not the product of a billion, billion random events and chance that happened throughout the ages since everything began. It means that the word that God had you in mind, before the foundations of this earth were laid, He created you. He created you out of nothing. And that means that He was intentional about you being in this world. It means that He's got purpose for you. It means that your life matters to Him. It means that it doesn't matter how dead your life sometimes feels, or whatever has been happening in your life, that God has got the power to create something out of nothing. He's got the power to create something out of the biggest mess that you've ever made in your life. He can create something out of that. 
And that's wonderful news. It means that not only does, can he create something out of your life, but it means that your life can create something. It means that whatever your talents or whatever your gifts are, whatever your purpose on earth is, is that you can take the mess that you've made or the things that you've been given or the tools that he has given to you or the opportunities that you are given in this world and you can create something out of it. And what an amazing privilege it is for us Whatever we do, whatever your hobby and your passion and your calling is in this life, that you can take this creator God on this journey with you and create something beautiful out of your life. And I'm really trusting for you that this week as we're going to pray and as we're going to fast, that you will ask this creator God, the one that was before everything, that thought you up, that created you out of nothing, and trust him. Don't you want to ask him and trust him? What it is that he wants to create in your life? How does he want to mold you and shape you into something that, you know, is so much bigger than, than the things that we've been keeping ourselves busy with? What is it that the plans that he has for you, you your studies, your career, your relationships, whatever it is, what does he want you to create with all of that? And I can promise you that as you seek Him in this week that's coming, and as you pursue Him, and as you ask this Creator God to be part of your life, that He will be true to His Word, and that He will show you what He wants to create through your life and in your, in your life. And maybe you'll see a little bit of it this week, and maybe you'll see a little bit more next week. I don't know exactly how He's going to do it, but I know that He's going to do it. So don't you want to join us in seeking the face of this Creator God? He then goes on and it says that in him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And then he talks about John the Baptist. He says, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about what? About the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. The true light that gives light to everyone is coming into the world. This again made me think of when you go back to the beginning and you go to Genesis 1, what was the first thing that God created? You remember? God said, let there be light. And it's as if for God, to show us that there is this huge contrast between darkness and light, that it was so important to him. If I think about it, sometimes it breaks my mind a little bit. Because we think of light, you know, coming from a source. You know, there's electricity and there's a light bulb and that's what gives light. Or even the sun. The sun is a source of heat and light and that is what gives us light. But have you ever realized that God created light before he created any source of light. He said, let there be light, and the light cut through the darkness, and immediately we see that there's this contrast between darkness and light. And it is so important for him to know, for us to know, that he is the light, and that it is meant for everyone. Yeah, it says, it's for everyone, and that includes you. And you may be experiencing darkness in your life, and you may have experienced darkness in the last few weeks or months or years. 
And I, you might feel that I don't understand everything that you are going through, what you've experienced, and what has happened to you, and who you've lost, and how things have not worked out the way that you wanted to. And you might be experiencing in this moment, or there may have been moments in your life where you would have felt that it was so dark that you can't see your hand in front of your face. But God's promise for you is, is that He wants to shine His light on your life. And I believe that if, as we pursue Him this week, as, as we set aside our own desires and everything and we start to pray and we pray and we ask Him to come and shine His light in those dark areas of our lives, that we're going to see the light at the end of the tunnel. We're going to realize that it doesn't matter what's going on in our lives and how dark it may seem, that if we only have Him, we have enough. What is there in your life that makes you feel dark? What is there that makes you feel sad? What is there that makes you feel alone? Do you know that there's this creator God that's the source of life? And that he's coming into your life whether you want him to or not. And he's going to keep coming at you and coming at you because he loves you. And he doesn't want that darkness in your life. And you can know as you sit here tonight that if you look for that light, you will find it. But as you trust Him for it in this week, it's going to start and may start with just a you know, little crack with the light coming through. But that's His promise for you that He meant it for everyone. But the flip side of that wonderful coin, which isn't always that cool, doesn't feel that great, is that there are also some dark areas in our lives, some secrets in our lives some private things that we want to keep away from the world and those around us and even hiding away from God. Things that are holding us back. And this wonderful light, this holy light, God also wants to shine that on your life. And I want to ask you to be fearless. And to open yourself up to God in humility and say to Him, God, I know that there's some stuff. It's a mess. I made a mess. I'm bad. The things that I do are not great. But come and shine your light on it. You know, God will never condone your sin. He'll never condone your sin. But He will forgive your sin. And He will deal with it. And He will heal you. And it doesn't matter how big it feels right now in this moment. It doesn't matter how insurmountable it looks to you. He will give you victory in that area of your life because He wants to make you free. And He wants His light to shine through you into the lives of others, to change others just as He's changing you. Does anyone trust Him for that? It goes on to say from verse 10, He was in the world, and the world was made through Him, yet the world did not know Him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. Listen to this again. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. I spoke about this earlier. For more than two decades of my life, I was walking around on this earth, living, breathing, heart-beating, going through the motions, running from one thing to the other. 
being a good person, trying to be a good person, being a bad person, pursuing bad things, pursuing good things, trying to find, you know, my space, my place in life. I believe many of you are. But on the 30th of January, 2001, this creator God entered my life. Where's night after night after night before that I knew he was there. I knew he was alive. I knew he was calling my name, just like he may be calling your name. But I just keep rejecting him, like this verse is telling us. Because we did not know him. Didn't want to know him. Because I was afraid of what it would mean, what changes it would bring in my life. What sacrifices I may need to make. And then on the 30th of January, 2001, through my wife, Ilza, and her uncle, Martin, I was in their kitchen, little house in Sunnyside. They shared the gospel with me, and it was as if I had heard it for the first time. And he said to me, do you want to make a decision tonight to follow Jesus? And I said, yes. And all my arguments that I had ever had and, you know, the fact that I knew that this was what these Bible Christians were going to try and do to me, and I prepared myself for them, all of that just fell away. And Martin, who, who loved Jesus, you know, but he understood something. You know, he never let somebody come into his cell group or into his house without asking them whether Jesus is his, their Lord and Savior. And they led so many people to Jesus. But more than that, they understood that it's not only about leading people to Jesus Christ and having this notch, you know, about every person that you have led them to Jesus. But he understood something about discipleship, about laying foundations in my life. And the first thing he said to me is he said to me, listen, you need to go and you need to go, have to go way what it's going to cost you to follow Jesus. And then he said to me, you know what? The moment you're going to walk out of here, the devil is going to try and persuade you that what happened here is not real. And then he gave me the first verse that somebody ever gave to me as a saved man. And it was this verse, John Wimbush 12. It says, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Guys, the biggest problem in this world today, and I'll stand or fall by this, is meaninglessness. Meaninglessness is the greatest problem that faces me and you and our friends and our families and the guys that study with us, that work with us. Is that we are going through the motions of life believing that, you know, we're the unlucky or lucky consequence of Billions of random things that just so happened and poof, here we are. God says different. The creator God, the light that came into the world says, but that if you believe in him, if you receive him, you have the right to be called a child of God. That is who you are. That is what it per that, that determines the meaning that you have. The purpose that you have. 
that sets your life on a completely different course is the moment that you realize you're not just floundering, going through this life without meaning, you know, making, trying to make the best out of a bad thing, seeing if you can make a difference, seeing if you can leave some sort of a legacy, leave this world a little bit better, pick up one more paper than the guy next to you, being better than the guy that you read about on the Bill's newspaper. You have got a great purpose because the creator of this world says that you are his child. And he loves you. And he's interested in your life. And he wants to make a difference in your life, but also through your life in this world. And it is so important, guys, that we cannot let this opportunity, this week of prayer and fast, go past us without pursuing God on this. Just thanking him, knowing that this changes everything, that I am your child, my father. The word of God says, it says that, why will you, earthly fathers, if your child comes to you and he says to you, give me a bread, why would you give him a stone? It's stupid and it's sick. And how much more will your heavenly father not give the Holy Spirit to those who ask it of him? So you can go into this week of prayer and fast confidence that your heavenly father who is a good father who calls you his child, that Jesus who calls you his friend, as you ask him, what is it that you have in store for me? What is the purpose that you have for me? What is the meaning that my life is? How is it going to play out? That he may not reveal everything to you all at once, but he will start to show you through your friends, through this church, through speaking to you, through his word. He will show to you what he has in store for you. And he goes on from verse 14. And this is where we really connect this word that it speaks about in the beginning. This plurality, not this thing, but this person who's more than one, who is God. And we really start to connect it with Jesus. And it says in verse 14, and the word became flesh. And he dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. God wants to make himself known to you. I'm going to say it again. God wants to make himself known to you. The creator of everything, the one that created you, the one who created the person next to you, the light of the world, the one that brings life, the one that calls you his child, wants to make himself known to you. You know, we don't serve this distant God that we sometimes think of as a, as a child. You know, this, this old big man sitting on a throne there in heaven, covered, surrounded by clouds, and is so vague that, you know, you can see his hairy feet if you're lucky. You know, and, you know, when he's mad, he strikes you with lightning. You know, and when he's good, you can come a little bit closer or you'll throw a little bit of money your way or something like that. It's not the God that you and I serve. 
That's not the God who calls us his children. We serve a God that chose to let go of his godliness. To become flesh. To enter our world. Our world of pain. Our world of sin. Our world of just being experiencing illness and poverty. He decided not to stay distant, but to become flesh like us, to let go of his godliness and surrounded himself with us because he wants to reveal himself to us. And he wants to reveal himself to you. He wants you to know him like he intimately knows you. He wants you to, through this word of his, this everlasting, never-ending, beautiful word, to experience the fullness of who he is. To day by day become more excited, to love him more. To see how interested in your life he is. To see how everything that he does in your life and allows in your life, even the painful things sometimes, the incredible painful things, he does it because he loves you and because he's got a plan for you and he wants to reveal himself to you. And that is the amazing privilege that we have as we go into this week of prayer and fasting. That they, there may be areas where God is a little bit vague for you. There may be things about Him that you don't understand. But we can pursue Him and we can ask Him to reveal Himself to us. And He will. Not because that is what we want, but that is because He wants it. So what does all of this mean to us? What this means to us is that the creator, God, the one who was there before anything exists, that created everything, that created you, that he wants to create something in your life, that wants to bring light and life into your life. And he calls you child. He calls you my son, my daughter. He wants to reveal himself to you. He doesn't want to remain distant in your life. He doesn't want to remain distant from your problems or the pain that you're experiencing, but he wants to make himself part of it, and he wants you to allow him to come close to you and to make him part of your life. But there's something that you have to understand, guys. There's something that none of this will make sense. None of what I've told you will make any sense to you if you don't understand this one thing. None of this that I've shared with you will have any power, any lasting power in your life unless you understand one thing. You see, the Word tells us that the Word became flesh. Jesus let go of His godliness. He made Himself part of our world and He became flesh. But what's more than that is, is that He lived the life that you and I should have lived, but we couldn't. We can't. But then he didn't hold on to that flesh of his. He went and he offered up his flesh. He gave up his body to be crucified on a cross. He put it on the altar. And he died the death that you and I deserve, that we should have died. In our place. You see that the important thing that you have to grasp tonight is, it is by offering up 
by sacrificing his body, by sacrificing the flesh, by allowing that to be stopped, by allowing that to be taken away from him, that in the end what remained was the word. The truth about who he is, the creator God, the source of light and life, your life, your heavenly father that calls you my child and that wants to reveal himself to you. And that is why you and I can go into this week of prayer and fast. And what it comes down to at its most basic level is us following Jesus' example where we put our own flesh, our own bodily desires the things that we want and what we have, we put that aside and we seek the word and we seek God's truth in our lives. And it is in that truth, it is in that reality, it is in knowing that, that you and I will experience him as the creator God, the source of love and life and light in our lives, experiencing him as our father, Experience what it means to be his child and allowing him to reveal himself to us.